0: Greetings and welcome to Worship Matters, a podcast from Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church located in Music City, Nashville, Tennessee. This podcast deals with the intricacies of planning worship each week. I'm Diana sanchez bouchon Director of Music Ministries.
1: I'm Derek Weber, Director of Preaching Ministries.
2: And I'm Cynthia Wilson, Executive Director for Worship Resources and Director of Liturgical Resources. During
0: this time of transition from virtual to in-person and hybrid worship, the worship team has endeavored to provide conversations that inspire worship teams and leaders to seize this moment and realize the opportunities before the church, finding ways to help those worshiping with us to re-engage and shape the church we are becoming. Today, we're going to talk about the season of Lent with Rev. Dr. Nelson Cowan, whose article in Ministry Matters, called Lent, the Original Quarantine, was recently published. Rev. Nelson Cowan is a pastor of Christ United Methodist Church in Neptune Beach, Florida. Dr. Cowan earned his Ph.D. in liturgical studies from Boston University, and he teaches worship and church history at Drew University, Wesley Theological Seminary, and for the course of study program at Emory University. Having served as a contemporary worship leader for many years, he was a member of the CCLI Top 100 vetting team from 2015 to 2018 the United Methodist Church's Hymnal Revision Committee, and served as a project manager for the CCLI Top 100 and Beyond project. And it's been a pleasure to work with you, Nelson, and Goodness, you're just all over the place. And so, all over. <laughs> yeah. I, are you ever home? We wonder. So welcome, Nelson. We're glad that you're here and you're able to join us today to talk about Lent. First of all, tell us how you're doing and what's going on with you.
3: Well, thanks for having me. I am, uh, in fact, not at home today. I'm in my church office because even though it's my off day, I know the Sabbath people are going to come <laughs> after me. Um, I'm, but I'm in my church office today because I had to meet the people here are doing an A V installation. So here we are. But hey, at least it is sunny outside. It's Florida. <laughs> I'm in um I'm in my first year of this uh, most recent church appointment at Christ UMC Neptune Beach and which is awesome for me because this is a uh, Neptune Beach is in the Jacksonville, Florida mm. metro area. And so that's where I'm from originally. Uh, so it's kind of nice to be home. We've got friends and family Good. here. Um, I'm enjoying dad life right now. I've got a daughter who's, uh, almost a year and a half old. She's 17 months. Wow. Um, yeah, yeah. She keeps growing up. It's a whole thing. (laughs) And, uh, (laughs) and so I'm teaching a few classes right now, um, which is fun. I love doing this, you know, and so they're, they're all Mm -hmm. online. So it's just, it's fun. And, um, but you know, the, what I've got to bring with me today is the fact that I'm, I'm a little mad at Cynthia right now.
2: Don't so, do that. Cynthia, Don't I'm, do that. I'm, I,
3: I got to call you out real quick, Cynthia, because <laughs> yesterday here I was minding my own business and I stumble across this video oh. on, you know, Africana Heritage Month, the Discipleship Ministries, oh. and I find myself weeping on my couch in the middle of a sermon writing as i listen to you lead us and give me jesus Mm -hmm. and so you know
0: she makes us all cry (laughs) i know
3: and then i showed it to my wife later and then she was weeping on the couch later so you know
2: such a blessing
1: it was a blessing
3: thank you
2: thank you nelson
1: good good of you to share that weeping experience nelson thank you for that and yet, in the midst of all of that, you still had time to write this fascinating article uh, called Lent the Original Quarantine. I, I have to confess to say I misread the first sentence and thought you were going to talk about pandemicide. And I oh, thought gosh. it was about about how it was killing us or something like that. And, and we're going to focus on that a little bit. But no, you you started the article by talking about pandemic tide. yeah, <laughs> And then you developed it from that. Tell us a little bit about the genesis of this. Where did the thinking come from? What what brought this on? Why did you present this article to us? Yeah,
3: well, a couple things. On a more boring uh, scale, I was invited to write this article. Um, so that's, that's the boring part. But the fun part of being asked to write an article is the figuring out what kind of angle you're going to bring to this. And so you know, I've been serving as a pastor these past uh, six or seven years as a as a lead pastor, and um, you know, so half of my pastoral ministry has been almost half my pastoral ministry has been in this p- pandemic, and
2: you know, mm-hmm. throughout
3: throughout this pandemic, I've heard you know, in a lot of my course of study, from a lot of my course of study students and some of my MDiv students who are in pastoring situations, a lot of them have reflected on this idea of this whole pandemic just seeming and feeling like an extended Lent. Um, mm-hmm. You know, it's just th- this constant state of being in this liminal space and this constant state of of being in this time of testing and trial. And so, yeah. um, you know, that was just something I've just heard over and over again. And, um, yeah, it's just been vocalized so many times. And At the same time, I also was thinking about, you know, especially during this pandemic, I don't know if it's exacerbated this or not, but, you know, we have this obsession in, in particularly U.S. American society, but I'm sure it, it's reflected elsewhere, um, this obsession with certainty.
0: Hmm. You, know,
3: you know, I think about, you know, when, how mad people get, you know, perhaps it's justified, hmm. but how mad people get when, you know, for instance, COVID guidance might change. You know, when we were enjoying certain freedoms and then we have to re-up on, on masking and distancing and all the um, important precautions that we take. And that, that gets a lot of folks upset because what was once certain is no longer. Mm-hmm. And then, as as we all know, like with questions of religion and, and faith, you know, so many folks, you know, they want neat and tidy answers to, to difficult questions. And I totally get that because it's a little bit easier to to digest that way and so you know i think there's just this widespread you know uh obsession and obsession sounds kind of negative but um but there is like this
1: obsession with certainty yeah and yet your article (laughs) talked about there wasn't certainty (laughs) right that that the (laughs) lint itself was uncertain that it changed, that it shifted and flowed, and all of that kind of stuff. So, so was that giving permission for the pastor today to, to use it as it fits or as it will, or, or how did you see the history informing our practice today?
3: Yeah, I, I, uh, yeah. So we've got the, you know, we've got this pandemic, which is a very liminal period. We've got Lent, which is very liminal theologically mm-hmm. speaking, and then as you suggested, as I talk about in this article, these historic historical origins of Lent, which are themselves a mystery. There's not a lot of certainty there, especially <laughs> in the early church. You know, pre-Constantinian Christianity, or what's probably more suitable is pre-Constantinian Christianities. You know, just mm-hmm. not a lot of certainty. And so I wanted to write something that introduced people um, to the complexity of these origins, but also trying not to get too deep into the weeds, if you will, uh, mm-hmm. but introducing folks to, the, to that complexity uh, because, you know, so often we hear, you know, Lent was a season, a baptismal preparation for Easter, a time for teaching and fasting and praying. That's kind of that what we get often. And it's not wrong. It's just a, a later
1: understanding. Mm-hmm. And it's not the whole story. <laughs> right, right. Dimensions and layers and uh, development yeah. and all that. That was. That was I
0: love, I love how you laid out the etymology of the word Lent, but also brought in the whole, um, all the layers about cuarenta, quarantine. Uh, you know, in Spanish, um, it's the Lenten season is called cuaresma. And I always thought that was really a, a great way to um, speak of the Lenten season because of the 40 days. And and as you put out in the article, we don't really know what those 40 days, how it originated. We speculate that it could be about Jesus's time in the wilderness, or it could be this preparation time for baptism, all that kind of stuff. But that you know, it always took me by, su- not surprised, but um, I was like, hmm, in Spanish, it's cuaresma. It means for- it's around the word 40, not necessarily about lent. So can you talk a little bit more about that?
3: Yeah. Well, I mean, the Romance languages get it so much better uh, than, than English because, you know, as you mentioned, like, it's, you know, they're rooted in Latin. And Latin for lent is quadragesima. And, um, you know, it's it's the forty. You know that's what it is. Mm-hmm. It signifies a passage of time, whereas in in English we just get this word from the old English uh, Lent, you know, and lengthen referring to the the lengthening of the days that happens, you know, around this vernal equinox, um, and yeah, it's it, it, it's it's much less clear what's going on, whereas in mm-hmm. the forty days it's like oh, okay. It's the 40. Okay. Oh, yeah. I've read about that in the Bible. Um, you know, I know about this through experience. Um, yeah, absolutely.
2: Nelson, I would love to just be a fly on the wall when you're doing your homiletical work in the in the Sunday morning service. I just think that it must be fascinating uh, to hear how you bring, how you marry uh, the academy uh, to the ways in which... Uh, church folk here, especially about the High Holy Days, the seasons. Yeah. So um, I know that you uh, did your PhD at BU, right?
3: Yes. Yeah. Boston University. Yeah.
2: And so, and, and then you hung out with, you're hanging out with Drew and Emory and all those places. And then you come back to the local church. That must be the best. I mean, it's like the best of both worlds. So, tell me about mm-hmm. the way that you marry the two, and 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 at the risk of getting you in trouble, which do you enjoy most?
3: <laughs> <laughs> Ooh, that's a good one. Well, you know, one thing you know, one thing I've kind of what's been fascinating is throughout my this whole journey of uh, to, through this ordination process. One thing that's remained remarkably consistent since I was in my early 20s. I'm no longer in that decade any longer. But, um, you know, when I was in my early 20s, I had articulated this calling to always have one foot in the academy and one foot in the church. And, you know, and uh, it wasn't until I was in my third year of my uh, doctoral program, i had gotten to the writing phase where I could do, you know, I decided to, to take a church on a part-time basis while I was completing my studies. And that was the first time I ever got a taste of doing both at the same time, being you know in uh, in pastoral leadership, and also uh, being engaged in teaching and research, and so ever since then I just haven't stopped, and so um, I've and I I tell my church I was, and this, this is I tell this to every church I serve. If you want me to be effective, and I don't use this as a threat, but um, it might—I guess maybe it is a veiled—it might be a (laughs) veiled threat. I don't know. Um, (laughs) If you want me to be effective in my pastoral leadership, you've got to give me some outlets for this kind of nerdy, academic part of me, because otherwise, I'm just going to spew it out from the pulpit every single week, <laughs> and the church will die in three months.
0: Um, <laughs> or be the smartest and, church in, in oh, uh, the right. conference.
3: That's right. Right. Well, I think I've got the smartest liturgists in the conference. We just went through a, we did a, our, we have a phenomenal team of liturgists at my church. And the way we do it is, you know, we just have a, each person signs up for a month of the year. And so we've got 12 different liturgists throughout the mm-hmm. year and they attend the annual liturgist training. And so I got, you know, I did the whole I didn't do the whole thing. I, you know, I shared responsibility, love to collaborate, (laughs) of course, Um, but got to, you know, teach on the the Christian year and, (laughs) and and teach on just some things, you know, because they are liturgists, they write their own invocations on a, you know, on a weekly basis and just some practices for, you know, uh, write prayer writing, all that fun stuff. And um,
2: that is just so cool. I mean, as a pastor uh, to really use those um, didactic moments. Uh, to make your congregation smarter and at the same time to use those holy spirit moments uh, to help them be even more um, amazingly anointed uh, in the worship service that way uh, when you're sneaking in your uh, phd nest uh, <laughs> they leave with a, they leave it in a whole nother headspace right i, I just yeah. i yeah. I think it's wonderful that that you get to do this. your people are so blessed to have you as their pastor you you did you led worship at one time um you were a yeah. worship leader uh, yeah. so now mm-hmm. if if your organist decides to quit on you you're 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 good to go still right
3: <laughs> um yeah well, so it's funny is like i try they they know about that gifting as well yeah. and i I always try to uh, you know again, you know, pastors wear lots of hats, and this is a a little bit of a larger church than my last one, so we've got some, you know, dedicated staff people to those positions, so I try not to step on any toes, but if someone is, you know, gone, I you know, our, our unfortunately, our, you know, our um, accompanist had COVID um, last week, and, and so I needed to step in and you know, and I played through our hymn for illumination, and and people and people and people were like, "Wait a second, uh, why don't you do this every week?" Uh, oh
0: <laughs> my god! You can't give it all away at the beginning, I know. right? You've got to sprinkle it out as you go. So, yeah, keep them guessing of the right. gifts that you have. Well, so so Nelson, you know, do you have suggestions for worship planners who don't feel like they have the bandwidth to be creative? During these seasons that are so important for us, the season of Lent and, of course, Advent, you know, we use these seasons to lean in and to give people an opportunity for that spiritual growth. And, um, and, and it can be a highly creative time, but I also know that people are very tired right now. So what do you say to those folks being a practitioner that you are?
3: Yeah. And this is a this is a question, you know, we just got, we just finished up with our um, unit on worship design and uh, for my course of study class with licensed local pastors. And they're all reflecting to me this, you know, it, some of them, like, it's just, they can't do, do anything but this week to week thing. You know, we're mm-hmm. talking about, you know, forming, you know, collaborative worship planning teams, and we're talking about um, setting aside, you know, a week's worth of time to, you know, crank out your various worship series for the next, uh, six months and 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 you know while these are good ideas, not everyone um, either has the time or knows how to, at least the boundaries of their position, especially if they're part- time to set aside the time to do this. And so mm-hmm. long story long, there isn't a lot of bandwidth right now and at the same time, there's this immense pressure. Uh, to be yeah. creative, because it's one of those. I see this as a. I don't know if it's a parallel, but you know, we we love our certainty, and we also love our novelty in churches, mm. and you know. So I think if there's any advice in this, it's you know, look, don't fall into the trap of constantly desiring novelty, um, mm. you know, and this is one thing where, you know, okay, the liturgical scholars coming out, you know, the Christian calendar exists for a reason, you know, and it's circular for a reason. Like hmm. it has rhythm, you know, mm-hmm. and, and lean into it. You know, it's not, it's not a, it's not a sacrifice of novelty to just do the Lent thing during Lent, <laughs> you know? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. But for those who do have time to set aside time, well, set aside time, you know, plan Plan and plan and plan and use the resources. Not everything has to be um, a completely new resource. You know, you guys are doing great work at Discipleship Ministries. Um, and I, I love the I love the series that you all provided. We just did the um, Advent and Christmas one, actually,
2: mm-hmm. most mm-hmm. recently. Great. The genius of the Reverend Dr. Derek Weber, of course. <laughs> well,
1: it's, it's a shared genius, but. But sometimes, sometimes that innovation comes in, in the passion for the familiar as well. And, it's, and so that's where that comes in. It's, we have done this before, but let's, let's do it as if we hadn't. You know, let's, let's do it as if it was new because it is new. Every time we gather, we're a new congregation. We're, we're at a new place. We have new needs and new hopes and new dreams. And let's embrace this moment. Uh, yeah, and that's, that's what I loved about uh, your article, to, to come to that before we conclude, to, to say that there's a history that says newness is our, is our brand. That's who we are. That's what we do. <laughs> we embrace the moment. We seize the opportunities, and we, and we do lean into them. We, we live out what's in front of us. And so, so don't bemoan what we can't do because we don't have time or energy or space but embrace what you can do, and do it with your whole heart. I, Absolutely, I think that's your call. You concluded your article with a blessing, and 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 those words I think were powerful and, and moving. And so so what what were those words, and 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 who were you speaking them to, and what do you want to have happen from that blessing? I guess.
3: Yeah, um, yeah. I, I was again because these these origins of Lent are so uh, there. There are so many of them. There are so many different origin stories. And again, because we have this impulse in society to have such certitude, uh, the blessing was that at the end for folks who, it was just an invitation and um, allowing folks to kind of surrender that sense of of certainty. And so I write, um, I'm pulling it up now, I write that in an age where certitude is lauded, Lent invites us into a season of unknowing, fasting, praying, praying confessing, and pardoning, journeying alongside Jesus. And um, Derek, you asked, who is this for? Yeah, it's for me, and it's for any, anybody else who could who's just feeling like they are uh, walking on some unsteady ground in a, in a very unsteady season, and then um, to, to receive these words. May the God who in Christ Jesus took on flesh and walked these unsteady 40 days go with you, guide you, and sustain you. Amen.
2: Amen. Amen. Oh, how beautiful. Mm -hmm. My goodness, thank you so much for um, the scholarship as well as uh, uh, the amazing um, spirit of God uh, that really marry and dance uh, in your (laughs) article. Um, We just absolutely loved sharing it and we're so glad that you took the time to come and talk to us today.
3: Thank you for having me.
2: Yeah, and anytime you get bored uh, because you have very little to do, you'll have you come back <laughs> right. again yeah. and talk to us again. Um, but in the great. meantime, we want to thank you along with our audience today. Uh, I don't know if uh, you told us how people might be in touch with you post this conversation. But if you want to give a website or. A...
3: Sure. Yeah, you can. I mean, you can. Facebook is a really easy way to connect with me. I'm very bad on Twitter, so don't connect with me on Twitter. Uh, but you can connect me up with me on Facebook.com/slash Nelson Cowan. Uh, or you can uh, check, read a little bit more on my website, uh, which is www.nelsoncowan.com. Pretty simple, right?
2: <laughs> and and we, um, we've posted uh, the article, is that right? We'll have a yes. link to
1: the
3: article. The link
2: yeah. to the article is on our website. Awesome. You do not want to miss uh, experiencing this reading. It's fascinating and it really will be a marvelous, the, the fodder that you need uh, to get ready for this uh, this wonderful meditative season uh, that will lead us into the Easter season, believing God that We will all rise again. Amen. 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 We hope that this has been a helpful conversation to you, our listeners. Remember that you can find more information at our website, which is umcdiscipleship.org. We want you to tell us what you think. So send us an email. uh, Tell us what was really helpful to you in today's conversation. Um, and until next time, we will be praying for you. And we will be praying for your congregations. May God continue to bless your worship ministry as you make disciples for the transformation of the world.
1: This podcast has been a production of Discipleship Ministries, an agency of the United Methodist Church. Visit all our podcasts at podcasts.umcdiscipleship.org.